What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 92. So I guess we could call this our Chris Swaggy Baker episode. Um, as a matter of fact, shout out to my man Swaggy, man. I hope you're doing well. Um, if you guys didn't know, I think he suffered a stroke earlier this year. Um, haven't heard too many updates on that or on the Chris Swaggy Baker forefront, but I wanted to make sure to shout him out. Um, but yeah, we're here with episode 92, and guys, it is finally football week. It is finally, football is finally here. The wait is over. The long-awaited offseason is done with. It is a Thursday before game week. It is Thursday before week one. And to give you a timestamp as I do for every episode, it's about noon on Thursday, September the 7th. So we have three days before our week one matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. And I had to come with some content. I had to come with some fire content. Uh, but before we get too deep into that, guys, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to comment, be sure to like, and be sure to subscribe. If you guys didn't peep the short, if you didn't check our social media pages, if you didn't see the community page on YouTube, we announced what we'll be doing for our 1,000 subscriber giveaway, guys. We're going to be sending one lucky Bleeding B&G subscriber to a game that will be announced at a later date. But, 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 but. I won't be doing it until I hit 1,000 subscribers. I think we're about at 815, so we got a little ways to go. Um, and I was honestly surprised um, because I saw my subscriber count jump higher for a rally giveaway um, that we did last year. Y'all don't want to go to a football game. Y'all want to go to a free football game on Bleeding B&G's behalf? Just let me go. Uh, just let me know. Excuse me. Um, but I'm super excited. It's the first week of the new um, Harris, Harris Ownership Group, the new Hog Era. So, you know, I'm going to be in FedEx Field. I'm going to be there about 8 a.m. drinking my Biden IPAs. You know, we got them on deck. 23 years of bitterness is no longer. So, you know, I'm super excited about this season, man. Um, and I got a super, super um, different, super creative episode for you guys today. I, I hope, I promise, I promise, not I hope, I promise not to keep you guys too long. Um, so for today's episode, we're going to be getting into our five spiciest Washington Commander takes going into the 2023 season. Now, I know a couple of days before training camp, I did my uh, video on the five reasons why the Washington Commanders will be Super Bowl contenders going into the 2023 season. This isn't that episode. Now, there might be some points that, you know, correlate and coincide with some of the points that we'll, uh, we talked about in that previous episode. I'll be sure to leak that episode um, at the end of the video, so be sure to check that one out as well. Um, but here are our five spiciest takes. They're spicy, but guess what? I think all of these takes have the potential of being true because, you know, we try to give you the most raw, unfiltered analysis, and, you know, we try to be first um, on everything. Um, over here at Bleeding B&G. So these are spicy takes. Yeah, they come with a little bit of spice, but I think that all five of these takes might um, come true and come into fruition throughout the season. And, you know, we look up in February and we're like, oh, man, Bleeding B&G, you done did it again. That boy Jalen done did it again. So without further ado, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Um, we're going to be going in decrescendo order, so from five to one. So our fifth spiciest take regarding the Washington Commanders going into the 2023 season is that Jahan Dotson will surpass Terry McLaurin as wide receiver number one on this roster. Now listen, guys, I am team Terry McLaurin. It pains me. It pains me to make this take, right? And if you would have asked me before training camp, I wouldn't have given you this take. I wouldn't have offered this take because I think that at the moment, Terry McLaurin might still be the better player than Jahan Dotson, but this is a guy that's coming in with turf toe. Yeah, um, he did practice yesterday. 
um, on a limited basis. But guys, turf turf toes, especially as I mentioned before, with speedy guys, that's always my concern because there's always potential to re-injure that. And you know, one is Terry's special uh, traits is his explosion going off of the lab. And, you know, some of those videos that we saw yesterday, it was kind of moving gingerly. I wouldn't say that he was showing a limp or anything. I just didn't think that he was 100%. And Jahan Dotson has shown an evident chemistry with um, Sam Howe. If you guys can recall, I think the next five targets after Terry went out in the Baltimore Ravens game, they went to Jahan Dotson. And Jahan Dotson is the guy that we spent first-round capital on. Terry McLaurin is a third-round draft pick. No matter how special I think he is, Jahan Dotson has all the tutelage. He has all the, you know, all the wherewithal to be that dominant guy, right? If you look at his reception perception, he has some of the best reception perception numbers in the entire NFL. He beats almost every DB on almost any route, whichever way you want to give it to him. And I think that, you know, this is the time for Jahan to take that year two rise. Um, one of the only flaws that I saw in Jahan Dotson's game last year was that I think that he could play with a little bit more play strength. Um, and I think that he thought so as well. You saw that he came in a lot thicker. Um, he didn't lose, he didn't necessarily lose any explosiveness from what I saw in our days, boots on the ground in training camp and what I saw in the couple of games that he played in the preseason. So I think that this just might be Jahan Dotson's time. You see all the fantasy marks and the fantasy football experts that are telling you about Jahan Dotson. Um, and, you know, I think that this is, the, this is the year that, you know, Jahan Dotson makes a name for himself on a national stage. And I think that, you know, Terry McLaurin might still be, you know, that 1,000-yard one receiver. Um, and it's never a, a bad thing to have two 1,000-yard receivers, right? So, you know, if Terry's hovering around, you know, that 1,000 or 1,100-yard mark that he's um, accustomed to and that we've been so accustomed to him producing year in and year out, who's to say that Jahan doesn't have a 1,300, 1,400-yard season, um, depending on the scheme? Uh, but I think that his talent, um, his, th his talent allows for that to happen. So our fifth spiciest take going into the Washington Commanders 2023 season is that Jahan Dotson surpasses T Terry McLaurin as wide receiver one on the roster. So our number four take, I think that we mentioned this one on our um, potential Super Bowl contenders episode. But our number four take is that Emmanuel Forbes wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. I, I wholeheartedly believe that this is going to happen. I don't even think that this is a take. I think that this is the truth. I think that this is going to come into fruition. If we look, there have been three CBs that have been named um, Defensive Rookie of the Year since 2015. Marcus Peters, um, you know, Sauce Gardner's amongst Marshawn Lattimore, amongst, um, amongst the rest. And if you look at, you know, the rest of the list since 2015, most of those other names have been dominant edge rushers. Uh, dominant edge rushers, excuse me, or dominant interior pass rushers. And I don't think that this um, draft class, um, specifically in the first round, offers that. Now, Will Anderson is a hell of a football player. He's a hell of a football player, but I don't think that he's the guy that's going to put up demigod-like sack numbers um, in his rookie year um, where you're going to be looking at his counting stats and be like, oh, yeah, this is a guy that's a surefire you know, defensive rookie of the year. I think he might hover around, you know, four or five sacks because I think that he's an all-around player. He's not a pass rush specialist. He plays the run just as good as he does the pass. So his counting stats might not be there. And I think that Manny Forbes is going to have the counting stats. I think that he's going to have a couple touchdowns. That's the reason that they told you they brought him in. This is a guy that in all of the entire history of college football being played, in the entire history of college football being played, he has led everybody that has played college football in uh, interception returns, in pick sixes, 
And that's why the commanders brought him in. They told you that. Jack Del Rio almost tells you that every time that we, um, you know, have a press conference or interview Jack. He's like, yeah, we bought, like, we're causing turnovers this year. And you see that not only is he working on his interceptions, but if you just look at the scrap that he had with Tylen Wallace in the Baltimore Ravens practice, he's working on punching the ball out as well. That's what led to the entire fracas, the entire melee. Um, it was just the simple fact that Emmanuel Forbes is working on creating turnovers. And if you look at some of the counting stats, like um, like a guy with Sauce Gardner, who won Defensive Rookie of the Year last year at the cornerback position, he had two interceptions. Yes, he did have 20 pass deflections, but I think that Manny Forbes is going to have more, you know, interceptions than uh, Sauce Gardner. I think that he just simply has better ball skills. Sauce Gardner is an elite cover corner, right? But he leaves a lot. He leaves a lot. Excuse me. He leaves a lot to be desired. Um, as far as, you know, the ball hawking capabilities. If you go look at the hard knocks, um, Salah, uh, Coach Robert Salah asked him, like, dog, why they keep trying you? And Quentin Williams said, because he don't bring the ball back. <laughs> so 20 pass deflections is beautiful. So I think that, but, but I would rather an interception every day of the week. So I think that if Manny Fulls can do something like six interceptions with maybe 14 or 15 pass deflections, couple fumble recoveries with a couple of, you know, touchdowns a la um, interception returns and things like that. I don't think that there's any reason why we should be questioning his defensive rookie of the year potential. Um, as I mentioned before, this is a guy, he's going to be, he's going to be the CB1 from, from day one. If you guys looked at the commander log, he's a guy that has been etched in stone at the left cornerback position from day one, right? They're over there moving out, moving veterans to figure out where they're going to be because that's their number one guy. Um, so I think that he's going to be playing majority of the snap shares and I think he's going to have more than enough opportunities to make plays moving on to number three moving on to number three this one might be my favorite number three our third spiciest take going into the 2023 season regarding the Washington Commanders is that Cam Curl will be the best player on this defense earning all pro honors and I don't think that this take is too far-fetched either guys like I said these are spicy takes but I think that these are takes that can all actually happen um, if you look, Cam Curl is already one of the best safeties in the NFL. Now, I know he didn't make the NFL Network's top 100, you know, with the players vote and things like that, but he's made a slew of other top 100 uh, player lists going into the 2023. I think Pete Prisco had him on his CBS list, um, and I think there was another list that had him in the top 100. It was the Athletic or the Ringer, if I'm not mistaken, because um, he's one of the best safeties in the NFL right now, despite not turning the ball over. And that's the only reason that he hasn't earned Pro Bowl honors or All-Pro honors to this point. But guess what? I think that Cam Curl is finally, he's finally going to be turning that ball over because he wants the bag. And if you heard any interview or any press conference with Cam Curl this offseason, he's harped on forcing turnovers. This is a guy that I love the self-awareness because he spoke, he's spoken on it so you can tell that he's really worked on it this offseason. He's speaking, he's speaking on it every chance that he gets. And he's not one that's complaining, oh, well, it's me. I didn't get my contract yet. He's like, maybe I need to produce more turnovers to get the bag that I want. And, you know, I think his father early in the offseason was talking about $19 million per year. Well, guess what? $19 million per year safeties, they, they, they disrupt offenses. They get the ball back. They're ball magnets. They're ball hawks, right? And I think that Cam has that capability, right? He's already one of the best safeties in the NFL. And one of the reasons that is is because of his versatility. Now, one of the reasons why I don't think he's caused as many um, turnovers is that we play him all over the field. We play him in um, spaces where it's not as advantageous to cause turnovers, like in the box. We got Cam Curl playing middle linebacker and weak side linebackers on, on some out weeks. 
And you know that you never really see linebackers with high interception numbers, and it's a reason why because there's not as many opportunities to make those type of plays in the box. You know, you're running the ball. Um, there's not as much space. There's not as much margin for error when you're throwing short intermediate passes and things like that. But but if you've been following training camp, if you've been following the preseason, Cam Curl has been playing a lot more in the post. And I think that they think that Cam Curl has the capability of being a bog magnet. That's why you bring in a guy like Jartavius Martin um, when you should have drafted an offensive lineman in the second round to move a guy like Cam Curl to make your strength stronger. I think that we're going to be seeing Cam Curl play a lot in the post this year, a lot in the back end. I think a couple of his interceptions that he had in camp this year have come from the post. And this is a guy that has experience doing it. He did it in his rookie year, and he did it um, he did it um, in his college career at the University of Arkansas when he first made that transition from cornerback. He was a, a free safety first, uh, making that transition from the cornerback position before settling into like that joker, that strong safety role that he's essentially been playing in Washington. So I think that, you know, he'll be, you know, forcing more turnovers. So the counting stats are going to look back, um, good. He's already one of the league leaders in tackles amongst the safeties. He's that every year that he plays football. So why wouldn't I think that he'd be doing that this year? And then, you know, you add that with some of the sack numbers that he he's capable of playing, also playing in the box. If he can just give me a couple turnovers, and I'm predicting about six to eight turnovers for Cam Curl this year. I think about five interceptions and about three forced fumbles. I think that gets the job done, earning him all pro honors. And I think he'll be the first all pro safety we've had since Sean Taylor. I think Sean Taylor earned a second team all pro honor in 2007, I believe. So that's our third spiciest take going into, into the 2023 season is that Cam Curl will be the best player on this defense this season, earning all pro honors. Now, number two, guys, don't hate me. Because I know that this guy um, has a has a cult like fan base, right? This is this guy has a hive. It was a Heineke hive. Well, guess what? This is the Heineke hive times ten. Um, and I'm gonna just get into it. Our second spices take going into the 2023 season is that Chase Young will be traded by the trade deadline, right? Guys, um, a little over about two weeks ago, I made a tweet that um, or a post on X that. Chase Young doesn't want to be here, right? This is right when, you know, Coach Ron Rivera made, made us. He really wanted us to know that Chase's, you know, stinger was self-diagnosed. And I was like, guys, Chase Young does not want to be here. The quicker you guys realize that, um, and be the quicker that you guys will, like, stop worrying about him and stop getting all emotional. Because, as I said, he has, like, a cult-like fan base. And it's ridiculous for a guy that has nine more sacks than me in his Washington career. And I was, a, I was an advocate for the predator Chase Young. In 2020, well, guess what? We haven't gotten a predator Chase Young since 2020. The last time Chase Young was nice on the football field, everybody was wearing masks, bro. But, like, I'm not supposed to acknowledge that, right? And we got, you know, radio hosts and disc jockeys taking shots at me and, you know, Twitter fans taking shots at me over, you know, some of the things that I've said about Chase. But guess what? I I, I didn't cre create the, the saying that availability is your best ability, right? That didn't come from me. That's an old adage because it's the truth. And Chase, not only has he not been available, but he played nine games in 2021 and had one and a half sacks. But this is a player that y'all want me to kiss his ass, right? This is a player y'all want me to kiss his ass, right? No, I'm sorry. I, I, I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to kiss ass for unproductive players, right? Terry McLaurin can get all the praise that he wants because he produces. Deron Payne can get all the praise that he wants because he produces. 
I ain't seen it from Blonde Clowny since 2020 when I had to wear a mask every day. So when I say that Chase Young doesn't want to be here and everybody, oh, do you have, do you have, oh, did he tell you that? Did all the x fan oh, did he tell you that? Oh, where are you getting this from? You shouldn't be pointing this and posting this unless he told you this directly. Guess what? I think a lot more people are coming to see the light now. But guess what? Make sure you give me my credit because we were over here first at Bleeding BNG. Shout out Juan Gotti because I know you gave me my credit over there um, with Rio yesterday. Hey, you know how, other, how I know other people are coming to see the light? Did you hear the question that J.P. Finley asked him yesterday? He said, bro, do you, do you want to be back out there? When have you ever heard a beat reporter ask another player that? Because guess what? I promise you, J.P. Finley probably saw my tweet as well. They're starting to catch on, though. They're starting to catch on. He heard J.P.'s question loud and clear, and he hit him with that big, big dumbass, huh, huh, huh. Oh, I want to be out there for sure. I want to be out there for sure. Shut the hell up, bro. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's why you have a Zoom phone call for, with a doctor that's supposed to be assessing your neck. Huh? Huh? You tell us that you're ready to go, but you still got to get that same Zoom call that I just referred scheduled. Huh? Huh? I hope y'all are coming over to the dark side. Because I got I got chastised for that, that post. Oh, what do you know? Did he tell you that personally? Well, guess what? I think that some people are finally coming over to the dark side and finally seeing the light. Yeah. Self-diagnosed stingers. Like, did the doctor clear him three months earlier than he could, two months earlier than he played last season? I'm not boo-boo the fool. Some of y'all might be. I'm not. I refuse to be. I'm too smart for that. I'm too smart for that. And it's not about what I know. It's not about what I know. It's about what I see. And all you guys have the access of seeing the same shit, but y'all refuse to see it. There's a reason why he don't want to, that he doesn't go to OTAs every year. He don't want to fucking be there. <laughs> he don't want to fucking be there. But y'all talk, oh, he over there rehabbing in Colorado. Yeah, because he'd rather be in Colorado than Washington. That's a fucking problem. That's a fucking problem. When you have nine sacks in three years, that's a number two pick. And I really think that he self-diagnosed that singer, stinger, so he hasn't had to play the rest of training camp. No wonder he's fine week one. No wonder he's coming back telling you he's fine week one. Because he ain't want to risk it for this organization anymore. He's done with us. You can already tell that he don't vibe with um, Ron Rivera. Jack Del Rio already has made it evident that he don't fuck with him. Look at a Jack Del Rio answer when they're asking him about Montez Sweat and compare it to a Jack Del Rio answer when they're asking him about Chase Young. It's night and day. It's a night and day different. He raves and rants about how special he thinks Montez Sweat can be. How special of a player Montez Sweat can be. How much effort Montez Sweat has. I asked him a question about Chase Young. Oh, we just got to ask the docs. Oh, get him when he gets here. We'll assess Chase when he gets here. You know, Chase is Chase. Like, everybody's seeing it. Everybody's seeing the light. Everybody's seeing the light. And guess what? When this happens, whether he does get traded by the deadline 
or whether he holds us hostage, has a major year, and then, you know, just refuses to sign with us. I want y'all to come over back to Bleeding Me and G and be like, damn, I disrespected you so much, but I'm here to tell you that you were right. Because you see that I went on my victory lap about Fedarian Mathis last week. The same fans that chastised me when I said the clock was ticking on him. Now he in a walking boot and he ain't practiced since. No, I don't want to see these players hurt. But I've been too sprint by the likes of Malcolm Kelly. By the likes of Devin Thomas. By the likes of Ryan Anderson. I've seen this story too many times to not speak on it. I don't come from a place of emotion. I come with evidence. Evidence of being a long-term Washington football fan. Whether it was a Redskins football team or a commander. It's the same old bullshit. But hopefully it changed with the Harris ownership group. And I think that's that's why they can't wait to get Chase Young up out of here. Because I think that they know that he doesn't want to be here as well. So I think that Chase Young is going to do well enough to, you know, produce well enough to have teams inquiring about his services come the trade deadline. I think it's at the end of October. I think that that's why he was saving himself in the offseason. Not going as hard in training camp. Self-diagnosing stingers. A stinger that lasts like, what, six minutes? We're in, what, week three and you still got to set up a Zoom call for your doctor? Yeah, okay. But you want to be here, right? But you got grown-ass men attacking me because you want to be here. Chase Young isn't going to fuck y'all, guys. Chase Young is not going to smash you, bro. I promise. I promise. Now, moving on to our number one spiciest take going into the 2023 season. Like I said, I believe that all of these takes have potential of being true. So why would I deviate from that for our number one take? Sam Howell will make the Pro Bowl after the 2023 season. Now, let me tell you some of the reasons I believe why. Um, the QB pool in the NFC is super weak, right? Um, the top cornerbacks in the NFC are who? Like Kirk Cousins, um, Dak, Pre Dak Prescott, <coughs> Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford. Outside of Jalen Hurts, in 2023, none of those names ring special to me anymore, right? And one of those guys has to go to the uh, Super Bowl, right? So that automatically disqualifies one of those names. Um, and as I said, those names weren't impressive as I just rang them off in the first place, right? And I think that Sam has shown the capability or he's shown the comfortable comfortability in this scheme where that if he picks it up, right, and he just starts with the ground rolling, starts from week one and just continues to build upon that success, I think that he has the skill positions, not only at the wide receiver position, but the running back position and the tight end position as well. And the offensive line showed me a little more than I than I expected going into the, you know, preseason. Yeah, we had a couple sacks, but most of them were on Sam. And Andrew Wiley. <laughs> most of them were on Sam and Andrew Wiley. But if Andrew Wiley can get his shit together, I think that we, the O-line can surprise a couple people. And if that happens, everybody in their mama knows we have the weapons. If that all his black can give Sam time, because he has the arm talent, and he has the weapons, I think that Sam Howell might be the first quarterback to throw for 30 passing touchdowns since, since BC times, right? Since before Christ, right? Now I'm being a little sarcastic, but I think it was since Sonny Jurgensen or Slinky Sammy Ball, one of them. One of them, Lord knows I wasn't born. My mother wasn't born. 
But I think that he has the weapons with the Terry McLaurin, with the Jahan Dotson, who I think might supersede Terry McLaurin. And I get if we could get a breakout from a guy like Cole Turner. And Brian Robinson proves to be the dude that he was before he got shot. There's no reason why with this supporting cast, I don't think that Sam Howell can be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. He has the mobility. As I already mentioned, the NFC is weak. So if he puts together a productive individual season and couple that with winning, which I think we're going to do. As I told you, I think we're going to win like 11 games this year. Why wouldn't he be a quarterback going into the 2024 Pro Bowl? Why? Why? Please tell me why. Aaron Rodgers isn't in the division no more. Tom Brady isn't in the division no more. But you want me to you want me to think that he's supposed to be having a hard time with guys like fucking Geno Smith? One year wonder Geno Smith? Yeah, okay, I'll roll my I take my chances with slinging Sammy Howe. And that can be Ashburn Syndrome, Washington Bias. Guess what? I'm coming with facts. I'm coming with facts. And I'm giving you reasons why I believe all of these takes. Something that they don't do over there at ESPN. But that'll do it for this episode, man. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you think. Do you agree with our takes? Do you disagree with our takes? Let me know some of your spiciest takes going into the 2023 season. As I said, I'm going to go ahead and leak um, our previous episode where we gave you the five reasons why Washington will be Super Bowl contenders this season. Go ahead and check that out. But guess what? Football season is here. I'm going to go ahead and hop on a stream with my guy Rio Robinson and Josh Taylor tonight. Um, a little matchup preview stream. Um, hopefully, I can get a matchup preview um, on this channel before the game. But you know we're coming with the reaction pod. You know we're coming with reaction videos. And you know we're coming with a lot more content over here in Bleeding BNG. Football is here, and guess what? We coming full full steam ahead over here at Bleeding BNG. So thank you guys for checking in on us, and I'll check in on you guys later.